everybody. Chris here. A few quick things up front. One, as engineer, producer, and co-host of the pod, I usually fail on at least one of those things every episode. It bothers me the most when I fail as the engineer. In this case, I checked all our mics. We didn't record through our mics. We recorded through the computer's mic. You can still understand us. Um, it's just a little echoey. Joe sounds great. Um, two, if you haven't, please uh, rate us on iTunes. Give us the best um, possible rating you can with a clear conscience. And uh, you know, a review would be great also, but um, the rating is, is really what matters to helping us be discovered on iTunes and in general. Um, and then three, uh, if you haven't, I know you want a t-shirt, a mug, a hoodie, uh, go to on our own dot supply and see if there's anything that strikes your fancy. Um, it, it basically get, goes towards helping, uh, defray the costs of producing, uh, the pods and all that. All right. Thanks for listening. Here you go. The Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. Welcome to the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Podcast, the podcast of clean and sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R. And SinceRightNow.com with your hosts in recovery, Jeff, Matt, and Chris. With our guest tonight, Joe Sullivan, counselor and fundraiser at Nick's Place Recovery House. So are you there? Hey, are you there? Oh, yes, I am here. Okay, here we go. Ready? <laughs> All right. Tonight on Since Right Now, we have, I think, our first guest that we've actually met in person yeah. before yeah. they've been on the show. Yeah, which we is, can visualize you. Yeah, we, yeah we've, we've been in yeah. your presence yeah. um, before now. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Joe Sullivan. And um, Joe is it herself in recovery, and she'll tell us about that. And currently is working in the field as, and you're going to have to correct me on this, but as a, what's the term for what you're doing at Nick's Place? Oh, it's a bit of a hybrid. I'm working as half-time counselor, half-time fundraiser for a recovery house. There you go. Okay. And and we even heard all about Nick's Place because that was involved in the meeting, right? Because the guy who ran it was there. We met it. That's right. You're our executive director, our founder, and her husband. They were. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, I mean, at this point, you may even be the first person on the show. I guess that we have sort of now a shared tiny bit of history in uh, yeah. in that uh, pre-Unite to Face Addiction event at the Argonaut in DC. So, um, welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. Um, so, uh, t- I mean, typically where we start, and you know, because you've heard us, is. Mm-hmm. Um, we go back before we go forward um, and, you know, just give us some background on how you came to be in recovery, um, you know, and ultimately we always like to hear what you do to, you know, sustain it, yeah. um, what your, your program is, if, you know, what sort of program and, and all that. So, and then we can we jump around too, so. Yeah. Oh, good. I like the jumping okay. around part. That helps me. <laughs> Because um, yeah. I tend to jump around myself, Perfect. so if I distract myself, don't hesitate to interrupt me and bring mm. me back. Yeah. So, me. Um, hi, my name's Joe. I am an addict. Um, hi, I have been. <laughs> thanks. I've been in recovery uh, for about five years. Although I've only been um, what some definitions in recovery, abstinence recovery, would call clean and sober for two. But it's really important for me to recognize that my journey began the first day that I accepted the fact that I absolutely um, could not have more than one drink and any drug that that I chose to take would um, eventually lead me down a very dark path. Because for years and years in my life, I never accepted that. Um, I was pretty crazy about not actually being an addict. Um, I created spreadsheets 
Oh, proof to myself, I wasn't wow. an addict. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. In Excel. Oh yeah. This is the oh, first yeah. time I've ever heard someone create a spreadsheet to prove they weren't an addict. I so like every every day you you put down I had five drinks on Monday and six drinks on Tuesday or what? How'd you do that? Well, it got really complex. Okay. So um, before I even got to the spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. I think. Can, can I just other, say, doing yes, it please. started complex. When you're doing spreadsheets of your drug and alcohol <laughs> usage, it, be, it began complex. So, <laughs> you know what? That's very okay. fair. That's very fair. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to bore the listeners no, no, with the I mean, whole sorted story. Oh, but okay, maybe not. We like this. So yeah. let me. I'll start in the most recent past between okay. kind of the discovery of addiction, and then if sure. you have anything else that may. I don't know, the listeners may be interested in, you can ask. But I was living in New York City. Um, this was probably around 2007-ish, six or seven. Um, my mom had just died, which was a really horrible experience for me. She had Alzheimer's, so I basically grieved her death every day for the 10 years she was dying. And that's the period of time that my drinking and um, other substances just became out of control. Role, even mm -hmm. though they probably had been a problem, you know, there we always talk about other issues, and and alcohol and drugs for me were really the, um, they were the solution to my problem at that time. I had no skill set. I was not equipped at all to be the only child um, caring for a parent with Alzheimer's, and I'd lost mm -hmm. my father about six months before my mm -hmm. mom had a stroke that catapulted her into Alzheimer's. So mm -hmm. I probably, I was probably 27, 28 years old when I kind of began this role as caregiver. And mm -hmm. these are, you know, esophageal cancer and Alzheimer's. These aren't light diseases. No, no, it's it, it, it requires a lot of, you know, education and understanding mm -hmm. and the ability mm -hmm. to deal with doctors as well as social services and nursing homes. And um, as an only child, you know, there, there just wasn't that other person to kind of say, what do we do with mom's stuff? Um, so I didn't handle any of that very well. I just wasn't equipped. Ironically enough, at the same time, my mom was getting sicker and sicker. I had moved to New York City and I'm from a very small Southern town. Mm -hmm. We have one thing, NASCAR. Um, yeah, that's it. It's tiny, but it was, you know, it was a wonderful place to grow up. It was pretty idyllic. My parents were both school teachers. So, you know, it was, all those things were lovely, but as mom was getting sicker and, um, I was kind of spiraling out of control and feeling overwhelmed and alcohol became my best friend. Um, I was working in Manhattan and I was working in the field of my dreams. I was in animal welfare, which was like, when I was three years old, I told my mom I wanted to grow up to be Dr. Doolittle or Carol yeah. Burnett. I mean, that was <laughs> it. Those were my options. And I was working for a very large animal welfare organization in New York City and doing some really cool stuff. Um, Pretty big job. Mm -hmm. Got to travel around the world. Mm -hmm. So I had this, this. Were you like in the marketing department or what were you doing? I was. I ran the fundraising and marketing oh, communications okay. yep, for yep. Um, the ASPCA, which yeah. is the American Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I was there in our big heyday of growth during mm -hmm. um, 10 years. I was there from 99 to 2009, which were also the years my mom was sick. Mm -hmm. So the spreadsheet sort of grew naturally out of that. Right. <laughs> as mom was getting sicker and dying and I'm running analytical spreadsheets mm -hmm. on donor retention and yeah, conversion, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, something is wrong with me. Because um, you're drinking every day or you're, you can't stop drinking or what? Both. Yeah. Both. You know, something wasn't right. Um, I was drinking every day early on to mask the pain, right? Or whatever, yeah. mask that horribleness and the mm -hmm. loneliness and the fear and feeling inadequate to care for this amazing woman, all those things. Yeah. Um, some childhood issues that maybe we'll talk about um, eventually. Were, were, you, were you a heavy drinker before this or did this just yeah. exacerbate it? Oh, that is such a great question. I, actually, I, I always have been a binge drinker, um, okay. even in high school. And okay. I mean, talk about, you know, I came home from my prom in high school strapped to a lounge chair in the back of a pickup truck. So when you I just say, pass out? oh, I think that may have been how we got there too. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody poured me in a chair, tied a jump rope to me and right. dumped me out in my driveway. So I always kind of had those binge moments, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. I really wasn't, um, 
I wasn't a daily drinker. In many cases, I wasn't a weekly drinker. Uh, my husband and I would open a bottle of wine for dinner when we first got married, and it would sort of sit on the back of the stove until mm. we poured it out. So really, the heavy drinking happened um, around the time that my career took off and my mom's illness took mm -hmm. off. So it was it was mm -hmm. medicating, right? I was right. Just, sure, I, absolutely. I just had no other skills. And then that period in every addict's life yeah. when you drink every day to solve a problem that you don't really understand mm. slips to that place that you can't stop drinking right. even when you want to. Yeah. And that's where the spreadsheets came from. Gotcha. That's so. a great way to, to drink, drink to solve a problem that you don't understand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. And then, yeah, then there's, do you remember, do you remember the first time you thought I got to stop drinking and couldn't? Yeah. Oh boy, do I? That's, um, there is this fabulous restaurant uh, downstairs at ABC Carpet and Home in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. It's right in Union Square. It's called Lucy's, and it's a tapas bar. Mm -hmm. And they served red wine in the hugest goblets ever. <laughs> they were just yeah. like these fish bowls. Yeah. I remember ordering the red wine. I was with work people. I don't know what we were doing, but I thought, you know, I'm living this fabulous lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I'm in Union Square at yeah. Lucy's having red wine. Right. And I remember being angry with the waitress because it took her so long to get my wine there. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember gulping it down and feeling like if she doesn't get another one here uh, in the next five minutes, I'm going to crawl out of my skin and punch her. Um, <laughs> and that was the first time Sorry. I had this. Oh my God. Holy, holy shit. Yeah. What? <laughs> Something's not right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we don't talk about this, right? So you're at work and, mm -hmm. you know, people can come in on a Monday at your staff meeting and somebody talks about their sniffles all weekend and you get suggestions of chicken soup. And, you know, maybe some guy will even share, boy, I had raging diarrhea. And somebody will say, <laughs> take the Imodium. It worked for me. Yeah, but nobody comes, nobody comes and sits down and says, I've been on a three-day bender and I can't stop and I'm scared and I think something's really wrong. Can yeah. you please help me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a, I mean, so I think uh, we, we may have had other people on, I don't know, in such a uh, uh, elevated position um, at this point in their uh, substance abuse. Um, was there any, was there any commentary at all? Was it, I mean, if not sort of offers of help or anything, did anybody say anything? Was there any awareness? Any awareness? I'm sure there was. And I, I don't I don't know what other people were thinking. What I saw was judgment. Um, I was never there was never an intervention. Work people never said, Joe, we're concerned about you. And there were a handful of people that I worked with that drank like me. So I kind of got away with it. But, um, yeah, you know, I had a really ill behaved night in a lovely ball gown at the Plaza Hotel at our annual gala. Um, and I certainly got a hand slap for that, but mm. I was so masterful. Oh my gosh. I was so good at having just enough to drink with the people at work. Mm. And then on the way home in the cab, stopping by the liquor store, sure. mm -hmm. or I would ditch them halfway through the night when I started feeling kind of crazy. So I think people at work, um, knew something was wrong. Uh, I always felt like they judged me and and they were mad at me and that they wouldn't support me if they thought I had a problem. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I had a problem. I thought I had a moral failing, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. so however I whatever they were thinking, I only saw it through the lens of my own self, my perspective. And my yeah. perspective was you suck, you suck, yeah. you suck. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's how I saw work people considering me. And, uh, and unless they listen to this podcast to this day, they may not know I'm in recovery. That's right. that, that, I think that's that's a great point. And I haven't heard this in a long time, but I remember I remember going through this period where I thought I was one of a a morally bankrupt human being. That's how my DNA was, mm -hmm. and that's why I kept drinking. Like I couldn't right. get I couldn't put the two together that any of it was causing. I just thought I was a bad person. And I was almost at the point where I just need to accept this about this my life. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're looking right. for some sort of... Anything I can remember thinking, yeah. I, I'm too sensitive. I, <laughs> I feel things harder right. than other people. <laughs> Therefore, to deal with this horrible existence, yeah. I need to self-medicate. Yeah. Because I'm oh, somehow genealogically... Different. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that funny? It's so wrong. it's it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's that internal dialogue. I think the yeah. hardest thing for me is I'm starting to break it now through mm -hmm. a lot of work, um, both in rooms of twelve step programs mm -hmm. and with a therapist. Mm -hmm. Is all those voices that said all the things you just said? They all sounded like me. 
So okay. there's no way to di differentiate fact from fiction. You know, if your mm -hmm. own self is telling mm -hmm. you on a daily basis, you suck, you suck, yeah. um, or this is what you deserve, how in the world do you interrupt that process with your own other voice to say, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. lying to yourself. That mm -hmm. just doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. Because that's exactly the challenge. Like if it is you legitimately your voice, then it's like, how can you not trust yourself? Right. Then that's even scarier. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. But it, you know, I've heard this a lot as well, and I'm beginning to understand it about myself. My disease was the visible manifestation of a bunch of behaviors that were completely unacceptable to me. Mm -hmm. They certainly were unacceptable to a lot of the people I went out with, mm -hmm. um, yeah. many times unacceptable to my husband, mm -hmm. but that was the least of my problems. Mm -hmm. um, when I really started writing out my kind of lifeline story, you know, I'm adopted. I was seven days old, but still, kids that are adopted, we all have kind of a level of abandonment issues. Mm -hmm. um, I was adopted at seven days old. I was an only child. I was the youngest of 17 cousins in this big, raucous family. Um, I was forgotten and ignored a lot, not because my family was cruel in any way, because I was five years younger than the next oldest cousin. That's what happens. Wow. Mm -hmm. There were 17 so there was older cousins than you. Wow. Well, there were 13 of us total, so uh -huh. 12 older than me. Um, wow. And then the other part of my story that is really important to me, and I'm beginning to find it's extremely important to a lot of the people mm -hmm. that I, I'm working with, um, both inside rooms and other places, um, I had, at five, I experienced a sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. um, I don't identify with, with violence in that, and I don't identify with abuse because it, it wasn't. It, it really mm -hmm. wasn't that. There was no violence in it. There was no, I wasn't afraid. Uh, it, it's, it's tough to explain, but mm -hmm. if there's anybody listening that's been through similar, they'll know immediately what I mean. Okay. Um, and that perspective at five years old changed everything for me. So I went from feeling already a little bit on the outside mm -hmm. um, to feeling like the only value I had is what maybe I could give you. Yeah. Um, and if I wasn't giving you something, um, then you weren't going to play with me. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so it became an entire life system that formed around um, this. This lasted from the time I was five until the time I was about 12. Hmm. Um, and that'll really shape you. It, it sure. really the, messes the, with you. The, the Ab or abuse lasted for that long. Yeah, yeah. The, the, whatever the, this was. The situation. Ooh, the situation. Let's call it a situation. The situation. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it uh -huh. went on for a long time. Uh -huh. and, uh, so it formed your worldview in many ways. Oh, and uh, everything. Yeah, it uh, formed yeah. everything. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that I can honestly say, you know, good came out of it is that both my parents went to the grave never knowing it happened. Mm -hmm. But it turned me into a masterful liar. Yeah, sure. It turned me into a pretender. Yeah. Um, I hid everything. I, um, I made sure that nobody ever asked me, where have you been or what have you been doing? Mm -hmm. Um, and ironically enough, the, the person involved in, in the situation, I was very protective of that person. Um, there was a, there was a love there and I wanted to make sure he didn't get in trouble because if he got in trouble, then he would stop uh, paying attention to me. Right. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it is, I was taking a class not too long ago and I read this stat in kind of the corner of the page that said two thirds of people currently in recovery from addiction mm -hmm. now report trauma in their childhood. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it stopped me in my tracks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it helped me reframe my entire conversation about addiction as a disease and childhood trauma mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Do, yeah. do you remember I, the first time then you tried drugs or, or drinking at 16, 15, you know, was it this instant took away the pain, took away, made you feel whole again? Or was there a part of the addiction that directly, you know, brought some relief to that? It did. So um, I was, you know, mostly a happy kid. And like I said, until I became uh, probably in my late 20s, early 30s, did I even begin to understand what happened in my childhood yeah. did to me. But it didn't send me to a dark place. So I was a happy kid. And I learned that being the center of attention kind of kept the attention off of maybe what was happening on the inside of me. Mm -hmm. um, but it gave me all the attention in the room. So mm -hmm. I loved being the class clown. And, you know, I was like the funniest in school and the loudest and all that mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I was probably more exhausted having lived my life like mm -hmm. that than I thought. Right. So the first time I got drunk, I, gosh, I'll never forget it. I was in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. 
um, in a hotel room with a bunch of seniors from a rival high school, and somebody gave me um, Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill. Yeah. <laughs> classy. Yeah. Classy. Yeah. Um, was it in a brown paper bag or was it? It wasn't. We were in a hotel room, man, and this hotel room was decked out for senior week. You know, yeah. <laughs> there were beer, beer can sculptures in the back yeah. wall. And yeah, yeah. Um, what I remember it making me feel most of all. Um, I felt like I was more myself than I'd ever been, mm-hmm. and I wasn't tired anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I was more the center of attention. I was even louder than ever. I was funnier. Mm-hmm. I was um, charming. Um, and, you know, even in high school, I, actually, I was really not an attractive kid. It was buck teeth and not knees and just... Um, I was kind of everybody's best friend, but I never dated mm-hmm. um, a lot in high school. I was just that girl. Mm-hmm. But alcohol gave me the courage... Um, unfortunately, I think to take the sexualization that had happened to me when I was a young girl, mm-hmm. uh, and this, this funny, loud girl from school mm-hmm. and turn myself into, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was a seductress. I thought yeah. Yeah. finally I have arrived here. I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just gave me everything I thought I wasn't. Yeah. And, and I, it was magic, right? It was mm-hmm. absolute magic. I definitely was one of those drinkers that blacked out the first time I drank and oh, threw up for two straight days afterwards. Wow. I mean, just, it was not pretty. Hmm. Um, and I thought I wouldn't drink again. Um, <laughs> three days later right. I did. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, we always do. Yeah. Right. Did you right. blackout drink the rest of the time or was that just that first time? Oh no. Um, not, I won't say the rest of the time, but I would but say I by the last five or six years, maybe more, <laughs> it was absolute, complete, and total blackout drinking. Gotcha. Um, yeah, without okay. question. Okay. Um, and I just, I didn't know I had a disease. I, yeah. I didn't understand this. I mean, that's where the spreadsheets and the Googling came in. I would, I would sort of, I couldn't figure out why I was blacking out. Um, and I would Google things like, alcoholic and I would Google blackout drinking and problem drinker. And I would try to track on these spreadsheets, you know, what are you watching on TV when you have your first drink, you know, Mm -hmm. a law and order SVU, whatever episode. And I would track my last cognitive memory during that, during that time. And I would, it's almost like I was trying to find my own cure, Um, but it never occurred to me. And I, I find this just shocking now it never occurred to me to go to my doctor and say, you know, I have like two glasses of vodka a night. What, what's that about? Like, yeah, I, would right. just, I would have never done it. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I think that's societal though, don't you? It's just not something where... It's societal and it's also, I mean, you know, quite, well, for me it would be, I, I, did, I wouldn't want to know. And so either yeah. consciously or subconsciously, I, yeah. there was, you know, I'm pretty sure that it was subconscious for me that, Really something I was keeping myself from asking that question of sure. somebody that might actually have an answer, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, but you know, so, but yeah, societal also. I mean, plus you know, I, I think uh, you know, I think we're just now getting to a point where you know, care providers like that are, are being looked at as as being you know ill informed and need better information anyway. So. Oh, um, very true. Yeah. Very true. Um, but. Uh, well, that's fascinating. I mean, the spreadsheet yeah. aspect of it, the, yeah. it's essentially trying to, trying to like, engineer almost <laughs> yeah. the, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's like you're like this, like Leonardo da Vinci of alcoholism yeah. trying to like, you know, it's like, I just yeah. see these, like, like your protractor out and trying to figure out what yeah. exactly yeah. makes this happen. Yeah. Um, so that's drink, about right. That's and if, if I found a website that had some great information, yeah. but I was maybe already too drunk to see it, I would embed the link of the website in the spreadsheet mm-hmm. for later perusal. Yeah. <laughs> Just crazy. So you're drinking and filling out the spreadsheet. Oh, oh, well, yes. So yeah, you're <laughs> at your computer. You're ten drinks into this, and it's the last thing you remember. And you wake up the next day, and it's all still there. Like it, uh, you see yeah. the point where you just lost the plot and don't remember a thing from there. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, so cool. And I did this for, you know, probably a good um, six months or so. And then I just abandoned the spreadsheets because they weren't working. Um, I left. <laughs> These clearly. spreadsheets are not keeping me sober. <laughs> clearly. I even pulled out some data points and tried to make a pie chart, but it told me nothing. <laughs> what well, was that a goal though to figure out how to keep drinking or to figure out how to how to get sober or yeah. what what was the goal of plotting all this? Of, of... Oh, that is such a great question. 
I, I don't know. I thought, I think I must have thought there was power in information. Yeah. Yeah. And I had zero information sure. about what was happening to me, except I was ashamed and embarrassed okay. and scared all the time, yeah. all the time. So again, like if you think about this from the perspective of a person who absolutely no one had ever looked at me and said, you know, alcoholism is a disease. Mm. They've got these brain scans. And if your brain is like broken because Mm. of alcohol, you you can't fix it. I had no concept of that. So this truly in my mind was a moral failing. Mm -hmm. I was a horrible, terrible person. Mm. Um, I was uh, every bad word you could say. So Mm. I think I thought if I could find a trend in these spreadsheets, mm-hmm. um, maybe wine over vodka or mm. starting to drink at 9 p.m. versus whatever. I think I was looking for something in there that would give me a clue to stop drinking long enough to not suck so much. Mm. Um, but it's so complex, right? It, it, the, the simplest, straightest answer is you're an alcoholic. You need to get help for a disease. That's a pretty straight line. And yeah. I went around the world five times yeah. um, just trying to get that answer. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Well, there's there's probably some solace in numbers, you know, <laughs> in trying to rationalize it in that way. Right. I, I don't know. I can remember I had a notebook and I used to make a tick mark in the back every time I used cocaine. See? There but you go. Then once the, and I think it was a subconscious effort to rationalize because I can remember getting to a point where there were so many tick marks, I never looked at it again. It was like, <laughs> all right, well, that experience is over. Yeah. That, that experiment's done. But, you know, I think it's, maybe it's a way of exercising, trying to exercise a little control. Yeah. We can measure it. We yeah. Can. I used to make hash marks whenever I smoked hash. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it didn't last. I mean, I Googled problem drinker, alcoholic. I kind of tried to diagnose myself and measure who and what I was. But eventually I just, um, I left Manhattan and I moved down to the D.C. area um, and took a different job. And I did all of the things that, you know, if I had just asked somebody, what's wrong with me? You're an alcoholic. Here's how you get help. I could have avoided, but I moved thinking that I would drink less if I was away from the pressures of the job. A little geographic. Um, yeah. All that, all that. I did that a couple times. Um, uh, yeah. So my, so when I moved down to the, to the DC area, I was running a nonprofit consulting firm. Um, and I was horrible at it. I really was. I was just, I'm a much better client. I just hated being on the consulting side. Um, so I was miserable and, you know, continuing to drink and, and very quickly the disease was progressing and it really took a a good chunk of my, um, my reputation at that job because I was, I wasn't drinking at work then I eventually did. I have no, you know, at this point there's, Mm. I'm an open book, but then I wasn't drinking at work, but I was really ill-behaved at client events, that kind of stuff. Um, so I left after about 18 months. Um, there were a lot of changes in the agency we were sold and it was very convenient for me to leave when the agency was sold. And I went to work for a, um, a UN organization here in DC. And about three months into that, I got a DUI. Mm. And that's the first time I ever walked into a room of AA. Um, and it was court assigned. Court and ordered. Honest, court ordered. All and right. honestly, so let's think about this. I was 30, no, yeah. no way, I was in my 40s. I was 41-ish mm-hmm. at the time. I had no idea you could just walk into a room of AA. Wow. Yeah. Like, I thought, okay, you got to have somebody assign you right. alcoholism as your diagnosis, and then and they're going to have to write you a prescription for this rehab, and then you go to this rehab, and then they give you a note, and then you take this note, and you knock on the door of this AA meeting, and you yeah. say, here's my prescription. Wow. I honestly thought that's how it worked. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I walk, I remember I walked into this, I was a, a wreck the next day after my DUI. I was just a wreck, and I went into this AA meeting and, you know, I, I, I think I even said, I don't have a prescription and everyone laughed at me. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I didn't awesome. know what they were laughing at. Yeah, that is I'm like, well, maybe I get special dispensation because I'm a drunk from, from a DUI court. Yeah. All right. so, so you got um, the DUI, spent the night in jail, woke up the next day, went to court and you just knew you had to go to a meeting. 
Yeah, I actually thankfully didn't spend the night in jail. Um, I got, got to see the magistrate about 2 a.m. and I walked home. I was living in Annapolis, Maryland, and I walked home in shame from the courthouse. My husband was working out of state at the time, and um, I got home and realized my car had been towed. I had no mm -hmm. keys. I had nothing except my drunken mess, me, with this DUI. And I got into my house by climbing a six-foot fence in the backyard and crawling through a doggy door. Wow. And um, I remembered somewhere one of the officers had said, you're going to have to start going to AA. I, somehow that made it through the fog. Hmm. So the next day I logged on to the, like, 6 o'clock in the morning, I was looking for AA meetings because I, I, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, I yeah. just didn't know what to do. Um, and it was okay for a while. I would say about three months I, I stayed sober and I, you know, got the sponsory person and sort of did the things. And um, I showed up at work one day. I was running this UN agency in D.C. I was interim executive director. And there was this letter. And um, it was directed, addressed to one of our board of directors. But the mailing address was ours, not their business. Mm. And when I opened it up, it was a photocopy of my arrest. That's and um, wow. an accompanying letter that basically said, Dear Mr. and Mrs. UNE people, right. are you sure that you want someone with this uh, reputation and morality, blah, 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 mm -hmm. um, wow. serving as your executive director? And that letter went to every member of the U.S. board as well as the global board in Geneva and London. That is astounding. Wow. That is and it was signed, Love and Kisses, Anonymous. Shitbag. No kidding. Yeah. God, yeah. So there it was in black and white, right there. So you had I finally had the proof. You had some enemies. Somebody wanted you. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. When you're in that state to get that, it must have felt like, yeah, yeah they were right. I've been oh, right. Yeah. That voice in my head was right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, oh, that yeah. is, yeah, that's just, God, I can't even, yeah, I can't even imagine how that felt. Yeah. It was pretty horrible. I mean, the, the sad part is I, I, I know where this came from. Oh. Um, un, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, the person who felt the need to do this mailed it from a zip code in the same area of where they're located. Like, oh. So unless, oh. unless someone's super, super clever and decided to drive multiple towns mm. to this very tiny town mm. in Maryland that happens to have, you know, nonprofit servicers mm. and dropped it mm -hmm. from a mailbox, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know where it came from. And that's okay. Uh, yeah. you no, know, I was, mm -hmm. I was pretty bitter and angry and hurt. <laughs> and, and yeah, you're, you were absolutely right. Um, it was everything that I thought about myself right there in black and white. Wow. Um, so how'd that so, go over with the? Uh, well, I got drunk. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, to get ready to get drunk. Yeah, and then and then it got worse for me. Yeah. Um, then my behavior just completely devolved. Um, all of those, you know, kind of the person I'd always tried to say I was, even though I wasn't, just mm -hmm. horrible, terrible behavior in the rooms of AA. I oh. I was terrible to people. I would. Um, find people who were, um, you know, they all say in, in 12 steps rooms that some are sicker than others. And I was, you know, trying to grab them all up and put them in a truck and taking them home with me. But I had some wonderful people that were trying to look out for me and telling me that I was spinning out of control and they were trying to be kind and mm. I just wouldn't hear it. There was a you know, random person sneaking into my backyard, living, um, just chaos and insanity. And um, this is kind of your first year in the in the program. You're still drinking, going to meetings, just causing chaos. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I was a I was an absolute mess, and that mm. you know that. Yeah. yeah, it was. It gave me permission to be everything in my head. I told myself I was. Yeah. I think I set out to prove it to the world. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll show you, I will create the chaos and the wow. mayhem and I will show you how horrible I am. Wow. Um, yeah. And I did, I did some absolute horrible things and I, I'm sure at this point I still owe some people, so um, nice. apologies for my behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Without question. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I did what any normal person would do. I moved to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> Last stop on where am I going to run to? Yeah. Like a twist. I didn't, see, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. You didn't? No, I don't. I've yeah, been to Florida once. I don't know anything. Or twice, but. Well, I, um, 
I went down there. I was recruited to run a chimpanzee sanctuary. Yes. I know. It was awesome. I can relate to these chips. I like you guys. It was totally awesome. Um, It was amazing. And I was so honored. And I was back in the animal welfare Mm. world. And I, it was, it was awesome. Mm. And I thought all these problems. And by this time, you know, the memories from childhood had come in full force and I was connecting the dots with adult behavior based on what happened to me in my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to see the patterns that were created at five years old. So, I mean, gosh, I'm sure you all have been there. You start peeling that bandaid off and Mm -hmm. it's just not pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought, okay, I'm done with creating ha- wreaking havoc. Let's, let's go to Florida and run us a chimpanzee sanctuary. Right. And I'm into this. I believe in this. Mm-hmm. These animals have been through, they're not animals. They're, they're, they're amazing beings oh, have yeah. been through awful cruelty. And, and I will stay clean and sober and I will take care of these chimpanzees. This is my calling. This is my destiny. Wow. What could <laughs> guess, go wrong? Guess how long I stayed sober. <laughs> oh, I want, I uh, wish I could Two days. tell it. Two days. You're right. Oh, oh nice. Good. Over under was. I'm not good at this. Yeah. 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 What part and of Florida was this? A, a tiny little town called Fort Pierce. Yeah. So, yeah. Near familiar. Vero Beach, yeah. and yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And yeah. I was. Um, Jokes I had, resident Floridologist. I got, oh, I got sober. My so first coming. I did my first year in uh, Edgewater, Florida, New Smyrna Beach. That's, oh yeah. That's super far from Fort Pierce. Yeah, just up the coast. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. Nice. It's beautiful down there. It I mean, is, but it's, everyone's from somewhere on the East Coast is on the run. Like everyone's from New York, Boston, Washington. <laughs> but just, like this is their last <laughs> so stop. <true>. Right? <laughs> we should all get fun. magnets for the side of our car. Addict totally. running from self. <laughs> Need a ride? Yeah. Well, now you can go all the way to Cuba. So that's true. <laughs> that's true. That's oh, that's Cuba terrible. I don't need one more. I, one more stop. Don't need one more place. Right. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so okay. So you're in Florida. Chimpanzees. Two days. You get drunk. Yeah. Yeah. I think I pulled it together for about six months on and off. I was calling a sponsor up here and trying to go to meetings down there, but finding way more comfort in these, you know, cement block bars on Mm. MLK Boulevard with guys named Dwayne. Um, You know, they were way happier to see me and buy me a beer because I was the loud, funny one. Mm. Right. You know, here we go. We love Joe. Uh, Um, and so I didn't connect in 12 step meetings because I didn't try and I didn't ask for help because I guess I just didn't want it. And, Mm -hmm. um, I would say about six or seven months into that experience, um, I woke up in the floor of my own office with an empty pint of vodka beside me at 10 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. If I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out in style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's Um, cool. So you got up early. Yes, I did. A little overachiever there. I did. I totally did. I wanted to make sure that I was I was um, together and there for the morning meeting, which was at nine. Yeah. Oh, of course. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Yeah. No, you're totally bringing back. Checks out. All that. Yeah. Checks out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We. Um, I was just talking with a friend yesterday who we both sort of survived a big chunk of our professional career drinking and and the excuses on conference calls. Um, you know, oh, I'm going to take this call from home this morning mm-hmm. because I think it's at eight o'clock um, in her time. Right. That's right. four hours behind her. <laughs> so I'll be at home. And basically, you're in the floor, of your bathroom curled up around your cell phone, hoping not uh, to pass out before the call ends. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. yeah. So that sent me to rehab and that was, that was over two years. That was my bottom. Right there. <laughs> Did two I need another? Ago. No, no. That's a good one. No, I like you it. You could have had several before. It's I would have considered that's fine. But yeah, you could hit, right? You've got chimpanzees. You've got Florida. I mean, yeah. Hey. <laughs> I'm a big fan. <laughs> We're big fans of that bottom. And by that time, I'd abandoned the spreadsheets, and I just started texting myself. So I would text myself the night before, last conscious memory, and I would put a time on it, and I would text myself. So wow. I had a series of texts. Amazing, yeah, yeah. too. That I'm a wild. data geek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Total wow. data geek. So you drunk, went- di- drunk dial ourselves <laughs> <laughs> from the past. That's yeah. Uh, where, where, where did you go to rehab in Florida? I didn't. I came back up on yeah. the East Coast. My yeah. husband came down to get me. Um, he was so kind. I mean, just so. And we so met your good. husband, right? He was there that night in DC. You did meet my husband. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's been, he's such a rock. Um, mm. He came down to check me out of 
the psych ward at some random little hospital wow. down there that I put myself in so I wouldn't drink anymore. Wow. And I came back up to the East Coast and went to Father Martin's Ashley. Um, actually, Father two, Martin is the same. Is it the same Father Martin that you'd know if you're in the program? The guy who does all the tapes? The Chalk Talks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's him. Okay. And ironically enough, it was two years ago today on October 13th that I pulled up to the gates. What? Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So this is a little bit of an anniversary. Yeah, it is. It is. Yay, go me. It's my rehabversary. 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 Yeah. And were you excited to be there? Or were you like, holy shit, this sucks? Or were you like, I know, I know what's going on. I'm done. Relieved? Yeah, relieved. Afraid. Like, I'm done. Uh, all of the above. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, scared, ashamed. Right. Mostly shame. Honestly, that's really, that's the feeling that I felt walking into. I mean, I carried that feeling. Sure. In some ways, I'd carried shame since I was five years yeah, old. of course. Um, but by the time that I walked in the doors to Father Martin's, the, the, the overwhelming shame and guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And if there's a worse word for shame, find shame, it. Yeah, that's what I was that's feeling. Yeah. That's what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I know. It's funny. And I... I, I I walk in, walked into the rooms with a lot of that too. And it's just the, it's the worst emotion, right? It's the worst thing to, to start to deal with, right? It and feels like failure. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. It's just, it's eats at you. It's the most soul crushing, right? Emotion. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> I like that. Pull, to pull yourself off the floor from that. Yeah. It's soul crushing is absolutely right. I, I, I couldn't believe I would, Father Martin's, Ashley is a wonderful, beautiful facility. And I just, I just kept thinking every day, you know, why? Why am I getting this chance? Mm-hmm. If, if the universe really knew what I had done, <clears> if, if all of, if everything, everybody that had something to do with me getting here really knew who I was inside and what I'd done, they wouldn't help me have the second mm-hmm. chance mm-hmm. if they just knew. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't walk in kicking and screaming. I was definitely done, but I had to work really hard to think I deserved it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the reality is, I mean, we do deserve it. I mean, because, yeah. um, you know, none of this is, none of what any of us have been through as addicts, and certainly not as children, um, you know, is, is our fault or, you know, a moral failing in any way. Um, so we do deserve it. Yeah. yeah, I can say that today. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. But it, it has taken me almost the full, two full years yeah. and some real hard work, right? This sure. is, yeah. Recovery is not for wussies, man. This is hard work. <laughs> so you, you started going to meetings, started working the steps, got a sponsor. Sounds like you got into therapy. I did. Dealing with all this stuff, yeah? I did. So um, the program that I have today, um, definitely 12-step program is a big part of, of my recovery. I actually, when I got out of rehab, I didn't go to meetings for the first few months. I, I was still dealing with a lot of like regret and remorse from yeah, my first from, time, from and I was back year. in this area. But, but it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, I found mm-hmm. my place there, and I found yeah. my seat. And, um, they took and you def- back. They loved you. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Because, yeah, of course. Um, so I did that, and I, I kind of found my place in, in the fellowship and do all the things that are suggested of me there. Um, for me, a big, big, big part of my recovery has been finding a trauma therapist, mm-hmm. um, and that was the huge missing piece. And I, mm-hmm. I believe fully. Um, I, I wouldn't change. I'm not one of those people that says, you know, AA and NA, it's really great, but if they would just do this a little different, I, I'm not that person. Because mm-hmm. I believe if anything were a little different, the hundreds of thousands of people that were sitting in the stadium in Atlanta wouldn't be there, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a different hundreds of thousands of people, but not those. But I also fully believe that the, a 12 step program wasn't equipped to help me get through some of the childhood trauma. It's just yeah. not designed oh, for yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I married a very specific therapist with 12 steps. And then at 45 years old, I decided to go back to school as a freshman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, it was awful at first. Oh, no, it's been um, awesome. It's been <laughs> no, awful. Okay. Awful. Right. At right. first, Aww. at first. Right. But um, I, I didn't, at first I couldn't walk back into the fundraising world because mm. of shame. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was a pretty public fall. Mm. Um, 
you know, I was actually chairing one of the largest national conferences in the fundraising world when I went out um, two years ago and basically had to send a note to my co-chair and go, yeah, about that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a drunk. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to rehab. Good luck with all that. <laughs> <laughs> so between that and the anonymous letter and all the other yeah. stuff, you know, my industry knew whether they cared or not. I don't, yeah. I don't know, but I cared. Um, yeah. So I had told myself that I was too ashamed and I could never face them again and I was going to go back to school. Um, what I have found in the last two years mm. is immense passion um, for working with people who are in recovery. Sure. So I got my certification in addictions counseling. Um, I'm working on getting state required hours. Um, I'm working on applying for a master's program in MSW. Um, and I am starting to see and talk to some of the people in the nonprofit world because all of us in the addiction world are working for nonprofits. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's connecting me back into this place in a way that I can hold my head up because I'm not ashamed anymore. I, I'm, a, I'm a sick person. I'm not a bad person. Right. Um, and I'm doing something to take care of my disease. So it's been an amazing, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's always been part of it. You know, even even at ASPCA, the thing that always drew me into the world of nonprofits was helping animals or others. Right. Um, boy, I never thought that I would do it in, in a way that was so personal and close to me, mm -hmm. that touches me in the way that this does every single day. So, and it's okay. funny, trying to get back into an industry that you think you've destroyed. But I think, Matt, like when you start to come back here, mm -hmm. are people totally understanding and totally forgiving and totally, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, or I, they didn't even know. Yeah, they didn't even know. Which is just, it's <laughs> difficult, but it's difficult to contextualize that. We're seeing everything through our own filter. I yeah. thought that yeah. everyone was aware that I had this really public, Yeah. you know, I fell down the proverbial stairs in front of the whole marketing community and yeah. people either didn't care or were willing to yeah. give me another chance. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Now, have you That's found that, Joe? Yeah, I have actually. You know, it's funny. People are a little awkward. Yeah. You know, I've had a couple of people say that kind of that oh, guy hey. shoulder punch. Hey, you, it's good to see you. You're getting yourself back together. I'm like, right. as though I get, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah, or I get a lot of, oh, just keep doing what you're doing and forge ahead and mm -hmm. oh, thanks. Um, but the, I don't blame them. We don't know in this society how to talk to people in recovery yet. Right. We're getting there. Sure. We're getting there. Um, but yes, everyone's been welcoming, if not awkward. Uh, yeah. But I'm in a place that I can just laugh at the awkwardness. Exactly. Mm -hmm. it's like, I'll, I'll take their awkwardness over my own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You get a lot of, I'm sure you get, you look great. Mm -hmm. Oh my like, gosh. That must have been a hot mess now. Like, <laughs> what, because I'm pregnant? Oh my God, you look so good. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I definitely do. And it's it's a slow process. You know, I um I don't know where I'm gonna go with this newfound career. I love what I'm doing now and where I am. But as I'm seeing this world of recovery, I thought what we all went to last mm -hmm. weekend now, I mean, I thought Unite to Face Addiction is a, a fantastic first step in bringing the recovery movement mm -hmm. forward. And, you know, I've always been that person. I, I was that person with animal welfare. I was that mm -hmm. person working with refugees. I just feel like the people that either people or animals that don't have a voice mm -hmm. or the voice of their cause isn't quite yet formulated. Right. I like to be right there. That's mm -hmm. what I like. Um, and before I thought that was part of my, I don't know, somehow or the other, I just didn't recognize that in me in all of the years of drinking around it. But I do now. Um, it's amazing to be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with people who are who are so different from me, but we all have the same common cause. And mm -hmm. that's to get society to understand and accept the fact that addiction is killing more people every year than most major cancers. Right. That's a big deal. Yeah. Somebody should listen to that. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Uh, your journey is this super uh, powerful person in the not-for-profit world helping animals, right? Or just this thing that somehow you ended up here, which must have been your, your calling, right? Somehow you ended up doing this for drunks, right? Taking all this <laughs> professional skill. Yeah. yeah. But it's just cool how that all works out, right? 
Yeah, there definitely is a God moment, or as I I tend to call this higher power thing that I struggle with all the time. Um, I I believe there's something in the universe that connects everything. And if we continue to do the next right thing, it gets paid forward for ourselves Mm -hmm. and other people. Mm -hmm. So I have named this thing Uper, as in the universal power. (laughs) So I cast out into the Uper a thank you for getting me here. Yeah. I can work it's like Viger from that Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like Uber <laughs> might have an umlaut. Yeah. <laughs> Uber. What was it again? Uper. Uper, like universal, universal power. Uper. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. I'm Is so there an app for that? <laughs> Not yet, but maybe we should Uber? make one. Uh, uh, I was right behind Jeff on that. Uh, uh, <laughs> we'll um, you got to be quick in this room, Jeff. Yeah. Um, well, um, is there anything? You want to yeah, share this? Like, Next place, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, next place. place. So this, here's this is where you work. This is keeping you employed. You're employed. It employee. is. Employee they are keeping me employed, oh, and um, I will you, feel free to edit out any of the other stuff to tell the story because I love this story too. Um, so edit when out. I was, we go as long as we need to. <laughs> yeah. I was, um, I had to apply for an internship at school my second semester, and then you have to go. They hand you a little card with a place on it, and you have to go interview for it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still. This is almost a year ago, and I'm still a wreck. I'm still. The dialogue in my head is still, "You suck." Mm-hmm. Although it had probably gotten better by that time. To you, mostly suck. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> a few redeeming things about you, but you pretty much mostly suck. right. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You mostly suck. You mostly suck. You kind of suck. You mostly suck. And so yeah. I'm driving to this this house um, in a very small suburb of, of Maryland, you know, maybe 25 minutes outside of DC. And it's, it's a lovely neighborhood, but not urbanized at all, not inside a city, just, you know, just a normal neighborhood in America. And I pull up in front of this, this nondescript house and I'm in the car and kind of in tears and thinking, what do I say? And are they going to want me? I'm a drunk and, Oh, you know, all that crap you tell yourself and pull your shit together, Joe, you got to go interview to be an intern. So then my ego <laughs> kicked my ass and my ego was like, really? Do you, <laughs> have you seen your own resume? Yeah. yeah. Shut up. You mostly suck. So, <laughs> um, so as my ego battled it out in my head, I walked to the door and rang the doorbell and this wonderful, sweet woman comes around the corner um, and she says, you know, hi, do, do you know who I am? And I said, yes, you're Ray. Um, I found you on the website. And she took my hand and said, no, Joe, do you know who I am? I, I had no idea. And then I felt stupid, right? So my brain is saying, idiot, figure it out. You hmm. must know she's um, – and Ray, actually, she was working – in 1999-2000, she was working for a nonprofit provider that provided databases and a lot of other services into the nonprofit world, and she had called on me several times at the ASPCA in 1999. Oh, my oh, that's God. And about the same, just a few years before that, she'd lost her son oh. to a heroin overdose, and in 2000, she left the nonprofit world to found Nick's Place. Wow as a recovery home for young men in a very specific age group. Um, and of all the places to walk into and all the world from Manhattan, I was living, you know, Westchester County working in Manhattan. I didn't even know where she lived or where she worked. I just knew she called on me a lot to sell database and other Mm -hmm. things. And almost 15 years later, I'm walking through her front door and asking if she'll hire me as an intern. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's serendipitous. Thank you, Youper. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm there. We are a house of six young men. They are. Um, they inspire me every single day. They are amazing and wonderful and brave and all the things that everybody who chooses to take on this disease and try to win. They, mm-hmm. they exemplify those characteristics. I, I truly, truly care for, like, and love every one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an honor. That's it's right. an honor. Tonight we were doing improv. So I, um, I've been doing a, a class with them for the past four weeks, a storytelling class. Mm-hmm. And I'm teaching them how to use words and create stories and not necessarily their own story. That, that will come and it will come in their own words when they're ready. But just helping with communication skills and thinking on their feet and having fun. Um, So that was really great tonight. We finished up that that, program this evening. Is that your, did you bring all that to this? Or did they, 
you just kind of figure out like this is what people need and I'm going to teach them some life skills. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm good. Yes, I, I did because my other, you know, passion when I'm not doing this stuff, I'm doing theater. Um, uh-huh. so I, I don't know, I've done theater for my entire life and there's a, there's a program, a storytelling process called yeah. life stories as taught by theater lab, a school here in Washington, DC. Um, there's a documentary that came out of that called how I got over. If you oh, haven't nice. watched it, you should, uh, the filmmaker is magical. So I'm taking parts of that process okay. and introducing it to the guys. And I just, I'm connected to that because I took acting lessons at that school. So. Well, that's, that's really puzzle great. pieces. Yeah. Lots yeah, of puzzle amazing pieces. how it all comes together. Isn't it? That's just, and what a wonderful specific service mm-hmm. that you're providing, right. you know, with Nick's place, specific age group, opiate, heroin addiction, as you had mentioned, um, it's just, it's really laudable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I give Ray and her husband, Barry, you know, they had the vision and 15 years ago when they decided to do this, mm. you know, 15 years ago, cell phones, computers, mm. none of that. So they've really, they were forging in, in, especially into that population then and a population that just really was not getting much attention, mm. but mm-hmm. um, her heart and her passion and, and her, you know, higher power world drove it. And it is, um, I don't know. I, I don't know cumulatively how many men over the years, but um, we had an alumni gathering last week, and mm. there were easily, you know, twelve or thirteen guys that still live in the area, are staying clean and sober in the area, work now. They have families of their own. Okay. It's wow. It's magic. It's recovery. Yeah, exactly. It is. That's awesome. Well, and that's how it works, right? When we when we got it, I mean, I know it's a, an AA tenant, and I'm learning all these things, like the words to, to apply to them. And but uh, I mean, you 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 got to give it away to keep it, right? You got to give it away to keep it, bro. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, Just make sure you're giving away the right things, and what you want to keep is the right thing. Right. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, all right. Well, I mean that that's. Um, that was good. It was yeah, terrific. So yeah, much was, empathy. I mean, and you just, you, Joe, you have a way of describing some of the things that you were going through that I think really, I don't know, they hit home with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Like you yeah. just kind of, yep, I know that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, is there any, uh, do, yeah, any, any burning desires? Share? Anything we missed? Any burning desires? Um, no, <laughs> no. I think I've probably told you just about everything. And isn't, you know how fulfilling that is to be able to say, as I'm saying that out loud, I'm not thinking, well, except for that one big, huge, horrible thing that nobody will ever know. And I'll keep it a secret. I really don't. I feel there's a woman that, that I go to meetings a lot with who says all the time that if you continue to stay clean and sober, that at some point your story becomes your treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is the thing that you will most treasure mm-hmm. because it can help people the most. And mm-hmm. I listened to her for a year and a half say that and wanted to punch her in the face. Then all of a sudden, it it just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I'm fully there yet, but I'm beginning to understand that the stories that we share with each other mm-hmm. are, are truly the things that connect us and help keep us yeah. fighting this disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I can't imagine anything that I haven't told you that that I could have. Well, lovely. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Um, yeah, and we'll. Uh, you know, I, I just love that we've we've met yeah. all of our, our our closest people that we know now, and you know, obviously we'll we'll keep meeting more people. But I love that we've met our our initial sort of recovery posse and, uh, you know, or plan on staying close with everybody. Yeah. I so. hope so. I mean, you've mentioned in the email, you were, you guys were already thinking about a place to meet. And I started thinking that too. Like, yeah. what can we do? How can we every year say we should do this face to face? There's such a power in that. So yeah. I'm in my friends. You just All let right. me know when or where, or, you know, I'll be Same part of the planning committee. I'm yeah, down. I could take a road trip. I could yeah. slap a new magnet on the car. We could addicts on board. Addict on board. <laughs> <laughs> right. on board. That's fine. Um, all right. Well, we'll figure that out, and uh, we'll we'll certainly be be broadcasting, and I'm I'm sure we'll uh, talk, uh, email, text, 
Yeah, and Jared I would assume, all that like, uh, I just because part of your story, if there's anyone who's had childhood incidences, wanted to reach out to you, you could post an email or something. Be honored to. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cool. Any any story I could, anything I could share that would help. Um, it is definitely the the next most silent. Uh, yeah situation issue i don't even know what the right word is mm-hmm. that I, I see emerging so mm-hmm. yes please feel free all right joe um i'll uh yeah i'm gonna work on this and have it uh, up sometime tomorrow and i'll reach out and see if there's any info in the liner notes you want and stuff like that okay thank you so so much you're right. very if, kind no, and thank, patient with oh me. no thank you that's great i'm glad we uh glad we did this so me um, too all right. Well, then I'll, uh, I'll reach out tomorrow, okay? Okay, talk all to right. you all soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Yes! Oh, I like it. Another clean and sober intervention.